Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hope everybody had a nice weekend. I did. Did I? I think I did. You know, one of the things they don't tell you about parenthood is that you legitimately can't remember even like two days in the past. Pretty sure we had a good weekend. I'm pretty sure that we spent almost the entirety of the middle of Saturday taking just like copious amounts of crap out of our house. And my wife was like, please stop calling it crap. But it's crap. It was it was straight crap. We are, as I've mentioned on the show a few times, we are a Jewish household. So Hanukkah is over, ended last Thursday, um, but my wife's parents are separated, so uh, kids are going to get presents from both sides there. My family has about uh, 800 cousins here in California, so uh, kids are going to get a lot of presents there. And then um, my mom likes to just bring things. So we had this big influx of stuff. I know everybody else... Christmas is one week from now. Many of you will be having a big influx of stuff in a week. So you know this pain. And then uh, we just, you know, we realized that we just had so many things that the kids don't use. One of the things you go through here, and I know I'm like way off topic because we want to get into the waiver wire stuff, is, you know, we have two boys. We have a seven-year-old boy and a three-and-a-half-year-old boy. And so everything that gets passed down ends up living in our house for way longer than normal. Like, if we had, I don't know, maybe it would have been different if we had had a girl the second time around or something, but uh, all I know is that, like, every toy that the first one got, the we've, we've wanted to, like, kind of keep around for the second one. But they don't even enjoy the same kinds of toys, so I don't, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. Anyway, uh, Saturday was great, because... We took these big garbage bags of stuff, just dumped them, took a whole bunch of things and left it out on the on the street in front. My kid, my seven-year-old, made a sign that just wrote free stuff. We pinned it there. It was glorious. So I hope that your weekend was as cathartic as mine. We have fantasy to discuss. That's what it's going to look like here in a matter of moments. We have fantasy to discuss, but first... Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Dan Bespris. Make sure to follow me over on social media at Dan Bespris on the Twitters. Twitter.com, X.com, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please make sure to like and subscribe whatever you're listening to or watching. I, you know, I've said this before. I'm not going to ask you for your money right now. Don't need your money. I need your energy. So please take 10 seconds of your day. And like something, whether it's a YouTube video or a tweet or I guess those are kind of the only two choices. And if you're relatively new, please do subscribe, whether you're listening to the pod after the fact, live, watching it after, whatever. Every one of those little things does actually move the needle. You are significant. You are important. You, one person, can truly make a difference in this silly fantasy analyst's life. We're going to go through the weekend backwards, Sunday, Saturday, and Friday. We'll cover every single team, each 30, uh, each team's most recent ball games, all 30. We will hit on the best pickups, the most important moves to make over the weekend, things that may end up being drops here, 
It's not going to be sorted like we did on the Friday show. You guys kind of know how these Mondays one these Monday uh, first shows go. We will probably have a little bit of a weekly preview thing coming up at some point later on today. So let's just go ahead and dive right on in. Uh, one thing that I, I've been doing a horrible job of is kind of burying the lead a little bit uh, in that if there's any big news that's come out, I keep forgetting to bring it to you guys. The only thing that's happened this morning, that's not to speak of anything that, that happened over the weekend, the only thing that happened this morning is that uh, Shams had a tweet that Draymond Green has started his counseling. There's an expectation that it's going to take at least three weeks. And you guys probably recall that um, I guessed 10 to 15 games on Draymond's suspension, and that actually still feels like a somewhat reasonable target. We'll see how it goes, though. There's, you know, you don't, we can't really know for sure. Um, but we shall see. All right, let's talk games now. Boston beat Orlando. This game was one that the Celtics had kind of circled. Um, they talked about it after the ball game, just a, a club in the Magic that had given them a hard time. I think Orlando whooped them the last time they played. And uh, so the Celtics came out, and they were ready to rumble. As far as fantasy stuff goes, you know, Goga, every time that I, I am ready to kind of move on from the Goga thing, he has a couple of better ball games. He is, I'm trying to, so there's sort of a new category for me in, this, in the fantasy ad drop universe, and it's called the Stream While Warm. Because I don't know that Goga's ever going to get, like, blindingly hot. I don't know if I can say a stream while hot. But Goga does seem to be a stream while warm guy. And I think that's where he's at right now. So go ahead and play him until he hits another one of his little lulls or Wendell Carter Jr. comes back, whatever. That's fine. Getting some questions about what to do with Jalen Suggs. He's been sort of periodically hurt the last couple of weeks. But he's still number 74 on the season overall. So you are holding there. And I have no qualms about that advice as far as Boston goes there's really nothing they had their starting five and those are the guys that are going to get it done when this team is healthy Derek White has been insane so far this year he's actually number 27 in nine category leagues right now 27 on the shoulders of two and a half threes and 2.3 defensive stats pretty awesome pretty damn awesome 48 89 splits as well early third rounder can you believe that Ruski 150 had him super high, and I was like, I don't know, man. That feels kind of high. And then, you know, in my eye. But I had Tyus Jones higher than the B150, and for a while it looked like I was very wrong on that one. But um, Tyus, is, Tyus is spanking right now. We'll get to him later on. Pelicans beat the Spurs 146-110. This game was a blowout, so uh, nobody got many minutes on the Pelicans' side if they got their damage done prior to the game getting out of hand. Great. That was only the case for some of these dudes. Ingram, McCollum, JV, those guys were good before the game got out of hand. Trey Murphy was decent. He's very much a start. Uh, and then you got a bunch of bench guys that did stuff as well. Alvarado, Najee Marshall, so on and so forth. The big question on the Pelican side right now is what do we do with Herb Jones? Because he has been quite bad last three or four ball games in a row. You got to hold. The problem, of course, is that we can't just hold indefinitely. And I know people are like, why, 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 why? Like, he's still inside the top 50 on the year. Why is this a guy you're even talking about? And the simple answer is that Trey Murphy is bringing something that Herb doesn't bring, which is they need more floor spacing. 
And sometimes they need somebody to just sort of step out, open things up, and that allows other people to be more open because teams don't really respect Herb's offense, for better or worse. There are going to be games where they need Herb Jones to go guard a dominant scoring wing. Those will be games where his minutes will be a bit more guaranteed, but then you get to a situation like this one where Herb's not shooting the ball well. The Spurs are not very good offensively anyway, so they can go to their offense lineup. As far as the Spurs go, the uh, Wembenyama at center experiment from a reality standpoint isn't really changing their fortunes very much, but from a fantasy standpoint, he's been ridiculous starting at center. Uh, early second rounder, I believe, since moving to the center spot, late first rounder over the last week. Uh, the numbers are, are silly. You still can't really hit a shot or stop from turning the basketball over, but do you even really care when he's putting up like six and a half defensive stats a ball game? Nah, you don't really care. The rest of the Spurs, you guys know my feelings on them. You pretty much sell anytime they have a really good ball game. That's that's where I'm at. I think it's possible that I was too low on Keldon Johnson this year because I was too high on him last year, and I just didn't believe that there was that gear he could kind of get back up into. And he's number 66, so I got to tip my cap a little bit, but it does. I still look at it and think, something's going to give here. He's also apparently on the trade block. And then every time, you know, Devin Vassell has one good ball game, he sort of follows that up with a clunky one. So that's the thing. Like, if you get two good ball games in a row out of these types of guys, you probably go see what you can get for them on the open market. I have one eye on Malachi Branham, not even two, because I don't think anything's going to come of that. But he is playing starters minutes right now. And then Zach Collins is probably a drop at this point. He's basically not playing now. He played like 20-something minutes the first game that Wemby was at center. But unless, unless Victor's in foul trouble, it doesn't look like Collins is going to get more than about 16 to 18 minutes. And that's not even remotely close to enough for him to get fantasy value. A lot of blowouts in the NBA these days. Next game was not a blowout. Milwaukee beat Houston 128-119. Dylan Brooks got ejected right near the tail end of this ballgame. Didn't really impact the outcome, which is good because we got another good game out of Tari Eason. 11 points, 6 boards, 2 steals. This was one of his, believe it or not, more quiet games lately. But he's been wonderful of late. Like, you can't look at the full season for Eason. You just got to look at what he's done lately. Uh, and he's been top 50 over the last week. On, I'll admit, unsustainable rebounding numbers at almost 11 a ball game, but who cares? He's been great. 26 and a half minutes is enough for him to get it done. He's going to be a decent field goal percent guy. You hope that the free throw number isn't quite as bad as it's been over these last three or four ball games, that that kind of levels off. That comes up as the rebounds go down. We know he's a good steals guy. Tari Eason should be rostered everywhere. I feel pretty damn strongly about that. Freddie Van Vliet has also been on the rise of late. He is now number 40 in 9-cat. He's been a slow and steady thing for Van Fleet. Remember he was at 50 like two and a half weeks ago. We had him on our uh, buy board as sort of a buy low, but like how are we going to get there? Well, it's the steals. It was always the steals for him because the other stuff was where we needed it to be. Steals are at 1.1 now. If those get up to about 1.3, 1.4 at any point this year, he climbs into the early 30s and he's beating his ADP. And right now he's right behind it. So it's not like it's been a problem, but anyway, there you go. 
As far as the Bucks go, Damian Lillard was on our buy-low sheet last week because he was shooting 41% for the season, and I was like, well, that's just not going to hold, so this is your opportunity to go get him. He was outside the top, he was outside the second round. He was at like somewhere around 25, 26, early third. Uh, well, Dame is up to number 17. Took him one week, and you're like, Dan, that's not that big of a move. That's actually an enormous move. Uh, to to bounce that far near the top of the board is very difficult, and he's basically done it with two bigger ball games in a row this being one of them 39 points 11 assists better shooting i mean he probably could still go higher believe it or not because uh, he's still only shooting 43 percent from the field and still only taking 17 shots a game on the year and he took 19 in this one folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Like, there's no reason that he couldn't get to 18 or 19 shots. I don't think he's getting up to, you know, 21, 22 or whatever it was in, in Portland for stretches, but could he clear 17? Yeah. Anyway, he's like mid-second round now pretty close to where he was getting drafted. But when you see something as obvious as Dame shooting 41%, that's a pretty clear buy low. Uh, getting Malik Beasley questions. Um, I'm not in any kind of panic over this. I like it didn't. Maybe I missed. Maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, but he's just sick, isn't he? He's out for two ball games, and he's been pretty good most of the season prior to that so I, I don't know why that's coming up in my mentions no you're not you're not dropping Malik Beasley Wizards competitive again I know they lost this ball game but who cares they were in it until the very end so them at the regulars got regulars minutes Daniel Gafford played 35 minutes in this game he's an absolute tank when he gets starters minutes Gafford is number 51 in 9-cat this year in 25 and a half minutes per ball game. I mean, you see it right here. If he gets starters minutes, he's a top 40 guy or better. I don't expect this to happen every night because, again, these are still the Wizards. But, damn. And Tyus Jones, this one off a triple-double. He comes through with 22 and 11 with six steals and four three-pointers. Tyus, baby, he's back. He's number 63 in 9-cat on the year right now. lot to like about what Tyus Jones has done, especially lately. He just was hanging around. Top 110, top 120, 
where every damn game was a blowout and his minutes were at like 23, 24. It's just taken a week of normal minutes to get him inside the top 65. This is why he was on the old man squad board, not because I thought he was going to go for 21, 22 and 11 with six steals, but because just give him starters minutes. We've seen him go top 50 before. He's starting to assert a little bit more control over this team, taking some of it away from Jordan Poole, taking actually a lot of it away from Denny Avdia, who you guys might remember at the beginning of the year, I was like, damn, maybe I was too low on Denny Avdia. He and Dennis Schroeder were the two guys that were much better to start the season than I expected, and I was like, sheesh, did I really biff this one? Schroeder, I was still a little bit low. He's at number 100 right now. Um, I had him more in the 125, 130 range, but at least he's not 50, and I thought I had just missed by 80 slots. Uh, and then Avdia, I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't fully trust him to get all of the stuff going. He does a few things okay, but he's now at number 128 in 9-cat, and that's with turnovers still kind of low for Denny. Uh, he very quietly has become more of a schedule stream type of guy. Kyle Kuzma, we had him on the sell-high board four weeks in a row. People kept yelling at me that I was wrong. He's now outside the top 100 in 9-cat. It was just a matter of time until the percentages caught up with him. We always knew they would. He fouled out of this ballgame, but who cares? The issue was that he shot 32% from the field on 22 shots and missed both of his free throws. That's the issue. Not that Kuzma can't score or rebound or pass. The issue is that typically, and he had two blocks in this game, but that's weird, doesn't get defensive stats, can't shoot, turns the ball over. It's too many negatives in 9-cat. Jordan Poole had one very big ball game over the weekend and then followed that up by uh, shooting terribly and then falling down on a key play. He's number 194 on the year. I mean, if this team is really going to let Tyus Jones run the offense a bit more, that probably helps Jordan Poole to move more off ball. Shoot, 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 shoot. <sighs> He's so close to droppable. He's so close to droppable. You'll be mad when he has those one big game Jordan Poole mega blasts like once every four or five games. But in between, you're going to be like, well, thank goodness I didn't have this 29% high-volume game in the mix. And then you guys know my stance on Bilal. Koulibaly! Koulibaly! Six points aboard and assist, two three-pointers. His numbers come in blowouts. I still think he's going to be good when the Wizards pull the plug on some of their veterans later in the year. I just don't think we're there yet. Grayson Allen's back, and he's a much better fit alongside two Suns superstars than Eric Gordon. He's a guy who needs shots to have value, and when two stars are in for Phoenix, there aren't enough shots left for Gordon. So he's not my guy there. Grayson Allen is not someone I'm trusting in Roto just because there's sort of a lot of things that need to break the right way, but he makes a lot of sense as a head-to-head -head play. Um yeah, even if they if you got a kind of a clunker opponent like the Wizards were here, that might be a day you could try a Allen, because he's going to be open. Uh, got some steals and blocks. He's not that far away from an all-systems kind of guy while Bradley Beal is back out again for, I think he said he was hoping to be back somewhere between two and four weeks. We shall see. The season from hell continues for Beal, and we move along. Warriors are a very interesting team right now because they're a team in flux. They won this ballgame despite Steph Curry missing a three-pointer. 
and not just one, but all of them. Steph had seven points on 12 shots in this game, one of the worst ones he's had. He has like one of these per season, but the last two, three seasons in a row, even in his awful game, he still somehow managed to hit one three-pointer. This snapped a streak for Steph, and I didn't realize this until well after the ball game, but then I managed to actually scroll through Twitter and, and found the answer. This snapped a streak for Steph, where he had hit a three-pointer in more than 250 consecutive ballgames. I think 268 was the actual number. Admittedly, I don't have that right in front of me right now. But they still won, which I guess is good news. The bad news is that they were up by 20, and they almost blew it. Uh, but Clay Thompson suddenly shooting well. Um, I don't know if this is something that's just going to stick, but his season-long field goal percent is up to 41.5 now. He's right around the edge of the top 140 in 9-cat. And I, I was having a text message conversation with uh, one of our, our Clippers pod hosts, Brandon Marcus, who's also a very good fantasy basketball player. And he was asking about which warrior I trusted more between Clay and Wiggins. And I said, Clay. And the reason for that is that with Wiggins, who, by the way, also had a good ball game here, uh, Wiggins had shown no energy of any kind. All season long. This is his third good game the entire year. At least with Clay, he's 20, 25 games in. He's got like six or seven pretty good ball games under his belt. And he's been shooting. He's been trying to do stuff. He's just been very bad at actually doing it. Wiggins wasn't even doing anything. He looked like it was between the ears, and you have no idea when that's going to go away. Uh, but anyway, for Clay, he's top 50 over the last two weeks now. He's coming on. That's good. Uh, I want to talk about. I want to talk about Wiggins... I want to talk about Pods, Brandon Pajemski. I want to talk about uh, Jonathan Kaminga on the Warriors. Let's do. With, let's start with Wiggins first. So he's coming off the bench now. He played 29 minutes in this ball game, and he had 25 points and seven boards, which is a very good sign for him. But the last two times he's had a good ball game, he followed that up by, uh, well, let's see. I think the official term is a bedwetting in the following one. One of the two times he had a big ball game, he followed it up by smashing his finger in a car door and missing a week and a half. So there's been no consistency at all with Wiggins so far this year. And you can very quickly go to the board and find his good ball games. I'm not talking about the serviceable ones. I'm talking about the good ones. He had 31 points against Oklahoma City on November 18th. Didn't do much else. Steal a block and three, three assists, but five three-pointers. He did it on good percentages. Came out the next ball game. Had 12 and 7 and basically nothing else, which is like fine. You can get through it, but nah. Other good one was in Sacramento. He had 29 and 10. That was on November 28th. Hit some threes, good percentages. Smashed his finger in a car door, came back and had 9 and 3. And then 12 points, then 3, 9, 14. I know points is not everything, but it's been a lot of it for him. Like there's been three games all year, he's taken 15 shots which seems nuts, and a lot of games where he hasn't even hit 10. But he took 12 yesterday, and he made a lot of them. That's a big part of it. You know, and shooting 9 for 12 is going to inflate your numbers. Is this a game that Steve Kerr says, oh, look, Wiggins is awake now. Let's, let me get him back into the starting lineup, or was this just a one-off? And so because we know that in a, a good universe— like, you go back to the first half last year before Wiggins dealt with uh, a whole bunch of family things. He was rolling top 60. I think he actually even finished the year. Where did Wiggins finish last season? Number 63. 
He was actually better than that. He was top 50 at the beginning of the year. And so, like, we've seen it before. That's that whole thing. What has he done? We've seen it. But if you go back two years to the Warriors, he averaged 17, four and a half, two three-pointers, a steal, .7 blocks, but his free throw percentage and his field goal percent were so poor that it held him outside the top 100. And that's the fear I have with Wiggins, is that even if he starts to put some stuff together, is there any actual guarantee... Is there any reasonable guarantee that he can hold consistent fantasy value? The big reason last year why his rank was higher was we shot about 1% better from the field, but the big reason is that he kind of stopped going to the free throw line. He's a bad foul shooter, but he only took two a game last year. That was the big thing. His, you know, he turned a big negative into a small negative by just not taking free throws. Is that something we think can just magically be fixed this year? If he's on your waiver wire, and he probably is because the move to the bench meant that his fantasy value was far from a sure thing. If he's on the waiver wire, you probably consider it, especially head-to-head where you might just have a decent head, a decent week of free throw shooting and not hurt you very much. Roto, I don't think you really need to take the plunge on Wiggins. Frankly, I would rather have Brandon Pajemski in Roto, who we know is going to get rebounds, assists, steals, hustle stats, not ruin you in the percentages. He's a more well-rounded, believe it or not, fantasy player than Andrew Wiggins. So Pajemski, I think, needs to be used everywhere right now. Kaminga is more of a punt free throw guy, as we're finding out. I don't want to say on the fly. He was bad at foul shooting in the past, but... More opportunity means more missed foul shots. So I don't think you need Kaminga on your Roto team. I'm adjusting that from, I thought maybe you could sort of stash him and see how it goes. I don't think you need to bother with him on Roto. Head-to-head, if you're punting free throws, he's a go. If you're not, you probably let somebody else deal with Kaminga. So that's where I'm at with those three guys. That's the wiggins pajemski Kaminga trio. For the Blazers, they're back to mostly healthy right now. Jeremy Grant. 30 points in this ballgame yesterday, so he's recovered from his concussion. That's a nice one. He's at number 82 on the year, which feels like a range he could probably stick. Anthony Simons, he's coasting along now. DeAndre Ayton, hit or miss, but you know he's playing and he's getting the minutes, and those guys are the guys you're definitely using. And then you've got these more fringy dudes, like, and people are going to hate to hear me say it, Shaden Sharp who was not a playable fantasy asset before the whole damn team got hurt. There's a reason he's number 150 on the year in 36 minutes per ball game, and it's because he's basically a punt field goal guy and a little bit of a punt turnover guy. When you're thinking about sort of a late-round dude who's averaging almost three turnovers a ball game, well, now his opportunity is diminished, greatly diminished. Only 10 shots yesterday for Sharp. With Simons around and Grant around, he's going to find shots a little bit harder to come by. And it's a similar story for Malcolm Brogdon, who's now coming off the bench. And yeah, he got 26, 27 minutes, but he's not sort of the main dude anymore. Simons and Grant, and even to some degree, Scoot Henderson, who is going to continue to slowly work himself into that understanding of NBA speed type of thing. It's going to be that up and down. It's a weird road. Sharp, I called a sell high a bunch of times. I don't know that anybody did it, but this is why he has holes in his fantasy game that are easier to overlook on the head-to-head side. But Roto, the bad right now, is outweighing the good if you're trying to attack all nine categories. 
Scoot, I think, is probably worth a stash at this point because now we're in mid-December. So, you know, a couple months into the season. We're like halfway through the typical rookie learning curve. That's something. Um, Brogdon, I'm going to hold a little bit longer with the caveat that it does kind of feel like he's about to run out of gas entirely. And then you could move on. In between... um, Days of the week, I like to try to quickly just bounce back in here and sort of like stop yelling about basketball for just a second. Remind everybody to please, those of you that have joined us here watching live, um, please hit a like button. Actually, after the fact, you can do that as well. But anybody, please take a moment to subscribe, however you're taking in the podcast. Also, please, please, please go find me on social at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It's funny, I you know, when I started doing this thing, I didn't think I was going to care about the sort of, like, niche fame that's come with it. But I'm now 65 followers away from 20,000 on Twitter, which uh, was just not a number that I ever thought would, would happen at any point in life. Um, so if you have a moment, please do help contribute to that. Maybe we can get to 20K, and uh, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a round number, but still kind of fun and cool. So... Anyway, thank you for that. A couple of other little notes here. One, please check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. You still got one week before Christmas. Grab something at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with promo code ETHOS20. E-T-H-O-S-2-0. Gets you 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Whether that's the handyman, that's the traditional now face electric razor, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, which is nuts. That's their newfangled sideburn trimmer. You can get something as small as the nail kit. That's called the shears. They've got shaving cream. They've got scents. They've got oils. They've got powders. They've got boxer briefs. They've got all sorts of goodies. Go check them out. They're a wonderful, wonderful thing to use for the holidays. Just the perfect time to go visit manscaped.com. Again, the promo code there is ethos20. And I know I'm not doing the uh, silly you know, uh, genitals-focused live read on today's show. And the other thing that went really well with our Friday show is, uh, you guys know I'm running out of time these days to get to the chat room. I like that everybody's sort of hanging out and talking with each other. That's super cool. Uh, but if you have questions for me, the best way to get me is no longer on social media because it's so overrun. I can't... There's like a thousand things that flash by my screen. It's hard to read. It's actually the comments section on the YouTube feed. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I get an email alert. I'm not going to race to do it, but at some point during the day, I do try to drop in and answer whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 questions. They, they piled up, and a lot of you guys threw questions in that Friday show. I think there's it's up to like 80-some-odd comments. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me right now. So if you got something that didn't get answered in the chat room or you're listening on the pod and thinking, man, I'd like to hit Dan up about something, find this YouTube show comments after the show is posted that's the best way to get a hold of me there okay let's go back to saturday see what we got going out uh more blowouts we already talked about the bucks but the pistons they've lost 150 games in a row at this point pistons are a disaster i mean they are they are truly bad they are a truly horrible basketball team they're down Jalen duran Marvin Bagley came back. He played 22 minutes. You could probably start him in a points league, but I certainly wouldn't drop him in anywhere, anywhere else. Uh, James Wiseman picked up 26 bench minutes because this game was a blowout, so they, you know, Pistons just ran with whoever. You're not picking up either of those guys in any meaningful format uh, 
Asar Thompson is probably the only one that's drawing questions right now. He's a hold while he's starting, but I don't think you need to hold on to Jaden Ivey. I don't think you need to hold on to Killian Hayes. I've said that before. Cade, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jalen Duran, those are the three Pistons that does that deserve a roster slot. And then maybe you've got a name or two here and there that you drop in on like a back-to-back or a three games and four nights kind of thing. But that is the best-case scenario for that clunker of a team. Uh, Joel Embiid, just in the last few moments, got listed as questionable. That just flashed across Twitter. Uh, I think that, when did we get that news? About six minutes ago. And obviously, if he's out, it's Paul Reed time, but we don't know. He's questionable. The uh, Who the hell are the Pistons playing tonight? That might actually present the answer to this question. The Pistons have another stinker opponent. Not Pistons, sorry, the Sixers. Sixers are playing the... The Bulls. All right, well, he'll probably try to play if he can, so wait on that news. I don't know that we'll, we know the answer either direction. Um, obviously, if he doesn't play, you go Paul Reed, and then everybody else gets a bunch more shots. Kelly Oubre is still the question mark here. We haven't really had a Sixers competitive ball game in seemingly forever, so we don't even really know what Kelly Oubre is going to be doing when the Pistons have to play their guys for more than 22, 23 minutes. So I would hold on a little bit longer. If it looks like as the team plays competitive games and Oubre's getting healthy, that his minutes are still stuck at like 21, 22, then we end up moving on. But if they do start to inch back up into that you know, 24, 25, 26 range, that's where you would hold on and uh, make sure there's a roster spot there. So hold for now on Oubre. Charlotte, you can pretty much throw this one out. It was over very early. Uh, Gordon Hayward also missed this ball game. I think he was just sick. Bryce McGowan's got the start at small forward. Pfft, whatever. Mark Williams, as long as he's out, you're you're playing Nick Richards. Brandon Miller's a go while Lamelo's out. Terry Rozier, obviously a go. Miles Bridges was not allowed into Canada. We just found that out a couple hours ago. So we will likely see some sort of change at power forward for a ball game. I don't know that it's uh, a player that I'm going to jump at and try to play. Maybe they just shift Hayward up to power forward, but just something to keep in mind. Miles Bridges likely out for the Hornets game in Canada. Atlanta at Cleveland. Um, so the one of the big pieces of news over the weekend was uh, Onyeka Okongwu, who's been playing alongside Clint Capella, even when coming off of the bench. And then got a start, not this ball game, but the previous one, got a start alongside Capella. I think that was on Friday. Uh, in this one, Capella sat it out, so Congo got to slide back up and start at center. He's an all-systems-go dude right now. Perhaps when Jalen Johnson comes back, we see them move back to a more traditional lineup. But for the moment, and DeAndre Hunter, by the way, who's sort of dealing with some knee soreness on and off, if he's out, then you get more Okongwu again. This is basically one of the reasons we said hang on to Okongwu forever because there's always going to be some sort of path for him. You know, top 120 some odd as the backup is just barely playable in formats, more of a streamer in a lot, but that uh, infinite upside, that's that's the deal here. You can still play Sadiq Bey as long as Jalen Johnson is out, and uh, otherwise that's kind of it for the Hawks. For Cleveland, they got some bad news a couple days ago. I can't remember if that broke before or after we did our Friday podcast. I think it was after. Evan Mobley, surgery. He's out for six to eight weeks now instead of just sort of out indefinitely. Now we have a timeline. 
Darius Garland suffered, suffered an injury to the face. He's out for a few weeks. The Cavs are in a weird spot. Now, uh, whatever ball games they can win over the next couple of weeks is going to go a long, long way for Cleveland. Because if they fall apart at the seams, you might see them start to entertain offers for Donovan Mitchell. As it turned out here, Jared Allen went gigantic. He was another one of our buy-low guys. He exploded. Max Struess is in a shooting slump. He's actually a buy-low right now if you guys want to. He's been shooting like 31% over the last week and a half. He'll bust out of that funk. We know how shooters go. They go cold. They go hot. Uh, Dean Wade, I'm not adding. Isaac Okoro, I'm not adding. They had big ball games here because Atlanta didn't play any defense. Karis Levert is actually the guy you want to be playing while everybody is out for Cleveland. Uh, he's going to be much better in points leagues than he is in category leagues. I do think there's enough usage, though, for Levert to where he can kind of overwhelm the inefficiencies with more counting stuff. So make sure Levert is on a roster. Um, again, I'm passing on Wade and Okoro, and then Struess, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen. Those guys have been starts all season long. Pacers lost in Minnesota without Tyrese Halliburton, so no big surprises there. If Halliburton misses any more time, the obvious fill-in is TJ McConnell. This game was over early, so uh, the minutes were even screwier than usual. You're holding Buddy Heald. I know he had a terrible ball game here. I don't care. Hold him. Starters got smoked. Minnesota's got the best defense in the NBA. Isaac, uh, Isaiah Jackson had a big ball game because Miles Turner only played 21 minutes in the blowout. Blah, 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 blah. The only thing that really matters was Tyrese Halliburton being out. Seriously, that's it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jaden McDaniels went back out for Minnesota. He's questionable for the next ballgame. Anthony Edwards is questionable for the next ballgame, although he looked fine in this one. Nas Reed, he's another in the uh, stream while... Uh, he's technically hot, actually. So instead of stream while warm, Nas Reed is in the stream while hot department. So keep him going. Um, I'm not doing anything if Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels both happen to miss the next ball game. You could potentially look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but I don't think I'm going down that path. Most likely it just means more leeway for the Nas Reed heater. And uh, so no real changes for Minnesota. We continue shuffling along. Chicago, uh, Torrey Craig got hurt. It was having actually a gigantic ball game in this one. And that opened up even more space for Patrick Williams. Although it sounds like Alex Caruso might be back early this week. Still, that said, DeMar, obviously you start. Kobe White, obviously you start. Vooch, obviously you start. With Craig out and Levine still out. You could probably start Patrick Williams in most formats as well. Iota Sunmu got 41 minutes here, and I, I truly, this is one where I, I have to admit, I don't know the answer on Dasunmu because it seemed like he needed multiple, like he needed DeMar and Levine out. It seemed like to get enough space to operate, but maybe that's not the case. The problem, of course, is even when he's playing big minutes, there isn't really a guarantee that he's going to do enough stuff. 
because he doesn't hit that many three-pointers. He gets you some assists, but not a gigantic amount. People see five or six sometimes, and they're like, oh, he averages five assists. No, because most of the other ones, he's at two or three. Steals are pretty good. I like the steals for Io. And that, I think, is why we probably need one more high-usage guy out so that he can actually consistently get 10, 11, 12, 13 shots instead of more like 8 to 10. That does make a difference uh, because, you know, he's not the world's best field goal percent guy either. And I know he got 12 shots and then 11 in the last two ball games. and if that actually stuck, that would probably be enough for him to be a top 100 guy in 9-cat. But it's just, it's, it's quite borderline. He's extremely roster, uh, like, uh, I should say available. He's extremely available. Very low roster number in Yahoo Leagues. And you can kind of understand it. What I'd like to see is if Caruso comes back and plays, what does that mean for Desunmu? And then that also presumes that Caruso makes it through the ball game, which may or may not happen. So I think we can probably hold off a little bit longer on an IO pickup, but keep an eye on it. Meanwhile, for Miami, it sounds like we might finally be getting Bam and Hero back, meaning this, this wildly long mega streamer pile for the Heat gets super, super risky overnight with two high-usage guys coming back probably at the same time. Kyle Lowry is out basically for rest, but I'll tell you this, I don't feel comfortable playing any of the streamers if both Hero and Bam are coming back at the same time. Kevin Love's been a stream lately. I've been late to jump on that one because he's Kevin Love and he's, you know, old. And that means it's probably too late. Hakez Jr., he was up, he was down, he's back up again. I don't think I can stream him if Hero's coming back. I don't think I can stream Caleb Martin if Bam is coming back. I don't think I can stream Duncan Robinson if Hero's back. I think it's best to probably just leave all of it alone, watch for a game, and then make your call on drops and ads after that. That's the safe move. Now, if you're on the head-to-head side, like, obviously you're not benching a guy, you probably just let it go for one game, see what it looks like the Heat are doing with these guys. Is it going to be a a total logjam? That would be my guess, by the way. Then maybe all of them end up drops. But does anybody sort of rise above the pack? Is is it going to be Caleb Martin? Does he rise above the pack? Does Hakez rise above... We don't know. You kind of just have to wait and see. Uh, Cam Thomas is hot again. He had 41 points in the Nets' loss at Golden State. He is the premier flip. He's a flip guy. This giant game moved him back up to number 118 on the year in in 9-cat, which, again, I think tells you everything you need to know because he gets super hot. He ran, you know, top 40, top 50 for like the first week and a half, two weeks of the year. And then he was like outside the top 200 for a few weeks. And then this gigantic ball game is going to launch him back into a top 50 week. Just flip him. When he's hot, go try to get somebody that's top 60 or better. When he's cold, go try to buy him for someone that's like 90 to 120 range. And do it over and over again if you want. I mean, the league will probably catch on to you pretty quick. Just do it once if you like. But he's a guy that you can get when he's cold and sell when he's hot because the difference in numbers is so astounding that people can't remember what happened in between. He's a he's a short-term memory loss, buy low, sell high, both sides guy. 
No Dorian Finney-Smith in this ballgame. That meant Royce O'Neal had a much safer job off the bench, although the news this morning is that Finney-Smith is hoping to play in their next ballgame, so probably just leave that alone. Oklahoma City at Denver. Game winner for Shea, but from just a strict fantasy standpoint, there really wasn't a whole lot in this ballgame on either side. Chet Holmgren had eight blocks. That's awesome, but it's not like he wasn't being played in every format everywhere. He's number 10 in fantasy right now. Shea, obviously, 100% started. Jalen Williams has started everywhere. The rest of it is a big fat I don't care. People are like, Dan, what should I do with Josh Giddy? Well, if you listen to this damn podcast leading up to the season, you never would have had him. Nuggets are a whole lot of I don't give a crap. Justin Holiday's been filling in for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who's been out with a concussion. Otherwise, this is nothing. There's just no news at all. I guess the only news is that Nikola Jokic is not at all running away with the number one spot, and I don't think he will. Not that being top four is anything bad, but anyway, whatever. We talked about Portland already, but we haven't talked about Dallas yet. The bad news out of Dallas is that Derek Lively went out with an ankle sprain early in this ballgame. That meant that the Mavs had a choice of either running super small, which they mostly did. Dwight Powell played 22 minutes at center, and then, you know, the rest of the way, they were mixing and matching and just kind of spacing everybody out and shooting three-pointers. Typical Mavs type of basketball. Going into each ballgame, you need to be aware of who's in and who's out for the Mavericks. Right now... Obviously, Luka, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is playable, mostly because Kyrie Irving is out. So Kyrie's shots almost immediately go straight to Hardaway. I don't like Tim Hardaway's fantasy game as a whole, but if he's getting, you know, 17 shots, he had 21 in this ballgame, that's enough for him to hit enough three-pointers to counterweight the bad field goal percent, the typical lack of rebounding assists, and things like that. So Hardaway Jr. is a stream right now. Dante Exum is sort of a stream. People are like, Dan, he's been so hot. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I just can't, in my mind, assume that Dante Exum is going to keep shooting like 80% from the field. Last two weeks, he's at 61%. And that's basically why he's a top 50 guy over that stretch. Because a lot of those are actually three-pointers. So does he fall into the stream while hot category? The answer there is probably yes. Certainly on head to head, it can, you know, there's no harm in playing a guy who's super hot. I mean, he's shooting 71% for the last week. This is obviously an unsustainable number. But, I mean, if he just keeps doing it for one or two more, like just because he did it for three games doesn't mean it's going to balance out the next three games. He might be super hot for seven or eight games and then balance out. We don't know how the ebb and flow of a Dante Exum heater is going to go. So go ahead and stream him if you want. If you're doing it on the Roto side, just be aware that at some point, the shine is coming off of this thing. Is it going to be the next ball game? I don't know. I can't possibly know. You can stream him while he's hot. That's fine. And then Derek Jones Jr., who I would argue probably has the slightly easier to translate fantasy stat set, is also a little bit of a do you stream him while he's hot kind of thing. Um, he's, you know, it gets you steals and blocks. Typically, the field goal percent is pretty decent. He's more of a three-point threat. All of these guys, these these mostly Exum and Derek Jones Jr. in particular, it fluctuates so hard on a game-to-game basis that it is really hard to know if you're going to pick the right day 
on a roto side. I guess I should call it a games cap side. So I'm not playing either of them in games cap. I have no problem if you guys want to play them both, frankly, in head to head, where they're again, you're not just you're not gonna hurt yourself. And Dallas has a pretty good week. They go four times the first six days this week, although that's loaded towards the back end. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So if you want to go Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, or just the Friday, Saturday back-to-back, maybe that's the better way to use these guys. Maybe they've cooled off by then. Tim Hardaway Jr., I think you can go in basically anywhere, though, as long as Kyrie's out. Utah lost in Sacramento. It was a blowout, but there were a few things we could take away. Uh, For one... Walker Kessler was back on the bench for this game, and he did nothing, so Utah continues to yank him around. Kelly Olynyk got the start, and I think some of this was just, like, what do you want to do with Sacramento? I'm a little surprised they didn't throw Kessler at Damanis Sabonis, who then went 9 for 10 shooting in the ballgame. Um, anyway, as long as Olynyk is starting, you can probably use him in pretty much all formats. Colin Sexton, same story. That's because Keontae George and Jordan Clarkson are out. The Olenek one is feels like Will Hardy just like taking a handful of darts at this point. Walker Kessler remains a buy low. Every time he has two or three gigantic games, Utah does something to slow him down, and that creates another buy opportunity. So feel free. Lowry Markin in his back. Okay. Heard a report that he's on the trade block, and Utah's asking for four first-rounders. Good luck with that. Uh, but the streamers here are Olinick and Sexton. And that would be that. Again, they better be starting or I'm not doing it. Line of the night, of course, on Saturday belonged to Keegan Murray, who we've been calling a buy low for how long? The whole goddamn season to this point? Field goal percent up to 44. After this gigantic game, his 9-cat rank is up to number 57. And someone hit me on Twitter, they're like, Dan, aren't we celebrating a bit early here? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but... He was toiling in that 100 range, and I was like, yeah, this guy, like, he's shooting 39% right now. This is a simple buy low. You just have no idea how a buy low is going to fix itself. Is it going to be, like, one monumental game that jumps a player 30 slots, a la Keegan Murray here, or is it going to be more like Freddie Van Vliet, who's been just sort of very quietly a little bit better than when we called him a buy low, and he's moved up 10 slots over, like, two weeks there's different ways to get to that endpoint. Murray just happened to break a whole bunch of NBA three-pointer records on his way to doing it in one night. So yeah, is this going to be another game you see? No, of course not. But his season average now is at 15 and a half, two and a half threes, six boards, two assists, 1.3 steals, and a 44-85 split. That's repeatable. I don't know how he gets there on the night to night, but that's repeatable. And he's not a buy low anymore because he cashed it in in one damn ball game. One eye popper. There was no uh, De'Aaron Fox in this one, if you're wondering why Keegan Murray got 23 shots and why Harrison Barnes got 11 shots. Anyway, Knicks got blown out by the Clippers who are suddenly cooking. The Clippers are cooking right now. Kawhi Leonard has been possessed of late. He's all the way up to number seven in nine cat right behind Luka Doncic. Past Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant over the weekend. Uh, he's top four over the last three weeks, basically over the last month. Kawhi's been a top four per game guy. One of, right now, the best picks in all of fantasy basketball. 
because, not because of his per game, but because he's playing. Kawhi's number six by totals in fantasy right now. It's wild, I know. He's number one by totals over the last three weeks. Some of that's because his team's had a heavy workload, but 10 games over that stretch. Number one player by totals last three weeks is Kawhi Leonard. There wasn't much else to take away from this ball game. Paul George came back, so Norman Powell is no longer on the radar. Isaiah Hartenstein continues to just sort of quietly plug along as a decent replacement center for Mitchell Robinson. We've mentioned he's not going to get many assists because of how New York runs their offense. Uh, but if he can get you some rebounds, some defensive stats, and a good field goal percent, that's good enough. That's good enough. Josh R got ejected early. Doesn't matter. I'm fully now settled on schedule play for Hart. He says, knowing that probably in the next two weeks, I'm going to be like, now wait a minute, what about Josh Hart? And we're going to go through this same stupid song and dance all over again because I have a problem and I can't admit that I have the problem. Let's play a little who played on Friday and then didn't play over the weekend game. I know the Lakers were one of those teams. Was there anybody else? Uh, Toronto? Was it the Lakers and Raptors? And Grizzlies. Lakers, Raptors, Grizzlies. Uh, Lakers have a number of players that are possibly in, possibly out. LeBron is questionable. Anthony Davis is questionable. Uh... Cam Reddish is likely back. Who the hell knows? Anyway, like, you got to wait and find out. If LeBron sits, you get all those fringy wings that get enough shots to be useful. If Anthony Davis sits, there wasn't sort of an obvious one-to-one replacement there. More shots for the wings, again, with no AD, but the game could get ugly pretty quick also. So you probably just kind of have to wait on that one. Um, Toronto, a whole lot of nothing. That's the... Nothing at all is changing there fantasy-wise night to night. And then with Memphis, it's uh, it's time to start planning for what the Grizzlies are going to be with John Morant and then Marcus Smart. This will be their 25th game coming up. The next one for the Grizzlies, game 25. So Jaw's back after that. He's been practicing. I'm sure they're going to work him into game speed, but he'll probably get mid-20s in minutes his first game off the suspension. Marcus Smart was, I think, hopeful to play five-on-five over the weekend. I don't know if we got a final report on whether that happened, but he could be back later this week. So the Grizzlies are about to get a pretty big shakeup, meaning who the heck cares what they did on Friday because it's all about to change. And that, my fine feathered friends, is your 30-team weekend review. We're not going to do a preview of Monday night because we talked about all 30 teams, so you guys know what I'm looking at. And that would just be me repeating myself. But I will once again remind everybody, if you have some questions, put them in the comments tab on YouTube. That's the best way to get a hold of me right now. Uh, Later on today, I don't know what time because my kid is on winter break. He's playing a video game in the next room. Kind of amazing that he didn't come running in at any point during this podcast. I got to go make sure that his brain hasn't completely rotted. Um, So again, don't know when the show's coming this afternoon. Things are a little bit kooky around here because winter break for L.A. Public Schools is three freaking weeks long. Shoot me in the face. Um, we'll sort it out. Just stay tuned. Subscribe however you're taking in the show. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I'll make sure to announce when the afternoon uh, weekly preview show is coming. Hoping to be able to do that with Derek Ball. It'll come again to whether or not the schedules align. Derek's awesome. He's got his uh, Twitter thread going if you guys need that. He's D-Ball, B-Ball over there. 
Uh, and I think that is that. Oh, once again, I always forget to do this. I've worn this short this shirt on a few shows. It says Fantasy Nerds on it, and people are like, that's a cool shirt. Um, it was a gift from Robin Marks. So thank you, Robin. I think you guys can actually buy these if you want. I forget what the link is, but um, I like this one a lot, especially because the dude on the shirt, where is he? Right over here. People keep saying he looks like me. Uh, a little more emo, I think, than I am, but you get it. Got to square up my glasses just a little bit more than they are right now. These glasses have a little bit of a roundness to them. But I digress. 55 minutes, 30 teams. We good. See you guys on social. See you guys for our other show. Thanks again, everybody. Talk to you soon.